Welcome to On the Edge of Equity, where every episode features crucial conversations centered on equity, diversity, and inclusion. But this isn't just talking the talk. It's about inspiring action, asking tough questions, and getting honest answers, because that's the only way that real change happens. Welcome to another edition of On the Edge of Equity, powered by Athena Communications. We are so delighted that you have chosen to listen to our podcast this afternoon, this evening, or whenever you are listening to your podcast. And we just want to remind you, if you've missed an episode of On the Edge of Equity, or if you're looking to share a previous episode with a friend or colleague, because it's been such a great conversation that Voked a certain response in you, you can find them all at the Athena Communications website, which is Athena, A T H E N A, Communications LLC.com backslash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of our website, we just recently launched a new and improved website. So we want to encourage you to check it out. And we certainly want to know if there's a topic that is of interest to you, please feel free to reach out to us and let us know. We are happy to expand those conversations on the edge of equity. As with every one of these podcasts that I am privileged to host, I am elated uh, that the great Kendra Ingram, who is a nationally recognized performing arts leader, is the Marcus Center's president and CEO, that she is here with us today. Welcome, Kendra. Thank you, Tammy. It's my pleasure to be here with you. As I think about the conversations that want to host on this podcast, really the ones that are about how do we We have the tough conversations around equity. You and I have had conversations in the past. We talk about this work. We share so many passion areas, particularly around performing arts, around culture. Excited about the opportunities for us to dive in. That's been my privilege to welcome you, my friend, um, Kendra Ingram, again, of the Marcus Center for the Performing Arts. Can you talk a little bit about your experience? You've just been in this role a little bit of time. I mean, you've been here for a little bit, but what is, what's been your experience today? Yeah, so I have been here two and a half years already, believe it or not. Started, I tell people I started on Monday, March 9, 2020. Uh, It was my first day in the office, Ah. and my last day in the office was Friday, March 13th, about 18 months. Uh (laughs) We came back to the office about 18 months later due to the pandemic. But, you know, it's interesting. I was just just talking to another group earlier this morning, and they were saying, wow, it must have been really hard to, you know, come here in the pandemic, and, you, you know, how have you been able to experience Milwaukee? And the reality is... It was hard during the pandemic, for sure, but it was also a great way for me to, frankly, explore the city, spend a lot of time, because everything was closed, walking around, looking at different neighborhoods. I met a lot of people, believe it or not, through Zoom. People would make a lot of time Mm -hmm. uh, because it was easy, like, hey, can I grab 30 minutes with you on Zoom? So I ended up really trying to take advantage of that time, get to know Milwaukee best I could at a time that was precedent in all of our lives. 
really like it here. I mean, it's a unique place and also familiar in a lot of ways. It reminds me a lot of where I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And, you know, the the Midwestern vibe that I've, I've grown to really like. Uh, mm-hmm. I've lived in the Midwest before. My husband's from the Midwest. The, the biggest thing that I've learned in the two and a half years is Milwaukeeans tend to take for granted, I think, what they have here in, in Milwaukee. There's, you know, people always say, oh, why would you move here from this place or that place to Milwaukee? It's like, well, have you lived in other places? Because I can tell you, <laughs> we have, there's so many benefits to living in, you know, a small city that has the amenities of a large city mm-hmm. and has the of I need arts and culture, I need sports and entertainment, I need outdoor recreation, I need like we the people here care about all those things. Sure. It's reflected in work happening here. So interesting time, overall a positive one. I love it. And you know, as a native Milwaukeean, that question of so why <laughs> and how? As mm-hmm. much as I think we love this city, we recognize that you know, it's not necessarily a destination for everyone, but when you come to Milwaukee, there is there is a certain affinity that happens. You have come into Milwaukee, Wisconsin, serving in this role with the Mar- Market Center, first as the first female, first woman, first woman of color. Certainly, you've got a long history of advocating for racial equity, particularly in the arts. Can you talk about that professional journey? What has that meant to be who you are and certainly serving in this role with this lens? Well, it's, again, interesting kind of how I came up. Mother was a big fan of classical music. She loved opera and would take me to classical music performances, opera, symphony. Started playing an instrument pretty young. And long story short, I ended up in the classical music business, Mm. (laughs) which is uh, where I I lived. Uh, You know, I I trained as a musician. I was a music major in in undergraduate. And I worked in professional orchestra management for 13 years. And, you know, that's an industry that there aren't a lot of people of color in general in the industry, not Mm -hmm. whether it's on the stage or behind the scenes. I guess used to being you know, the only one in many cases. I'm also, you know, a biracial black woman, so I have a a racially ambiguous look. And I think it's interesting people kind of see you the way they want to see you. So I could also hear my circles in classical music, some of the things people think they're saying in closed company Uh really um, have, have an insight into, wow, I don't know how I feel about being in this situation and really kind of drove me to want to ensure that more people that look like me feel welcome and, and engaged in all forms of performing arts. Again, I come up through that kind of the quote unquote Western European classical tradition. I, I will say as much as I love classical music and, you know, my time working in orchestra business, it was very limiting to a certain extent. The nature of the repertoire and the programming that orchestras do is, is what they do. And they can do other things, but it doesn't have the diversity of arts, you know, of artists, of genre mm-hmm. that a multidisciplinary 
presenting PA performing arts center role would have. Sure. And I always felt like a bit of a square peg in a round hole mm. in the classical music industry. Mm -hmm. I was the one that was usually booking a lot of the non-classical programming that goes with the orchestra. So I'm the one booking the gospel Christmas show with the Winans in the Detroit <laughs> Symphony or Smokey Robinson in the Detroit Symphony yes. or electronic music, you know, in the venue or spirituals concert with, you know, Kathleen Battle and, Morgan State Choir. So, mm -hmm. you know, that was, I, I always felt like, you know, that was part of what my role was to really open up the love of symphonic music mm -hmm. to a broader genres, but it's not easy to do that. It's not impossible. It's just not usually what's the priority, which kind of led me to a world where I could have a lot more flexibility in serving our community, which I feel like all of our arts organizations, we are in service to the community, yes, I could do it a, better, a little bit easier way. Let's mm -hmm. put it that way. Coming up through that, when I came into the PAC world, which is multidisciplinary and, you know, Ben's genre and type of performance, you would think there would be, oh, well, this is definitely going to be more people that look like me. And there definitely are more people that look like me on stage. Yes. But I think the back of house still continues to be, you know, fairly dominated by white people and leadership, mostly white males, mm -hmm. really also became something that I became very focused on. I'd say even more so in the last five years when I came into, well, now six years now, six years when I came into my first executive director role mm -hmm. where and I just wanted some colleagues. <laughs> I'm like, how come I don't have any college, you know, you know, P POCs that are, you know, in leadership. I think it wasn't until I came into the C-suite, I really started to really a heightened awareness of how much that impacts decision-making. You know, having more diversity in the C-suite is going to impact more of what's going to happen with our, these large institutions like the one I run. And I, I really appreciate you lifting, you know, this idea of how how do we make the highest level of organizations decision-making, those that have a greater level of accountability be reflective of the communities that they do, in fact, serve, that there are more women, more women of color at the helm. I, I'm reminded of a performance that I believe was in the last year, or maybe it was even earlier this year, at the Marcus Center that was hip-hop ballet. And yeah, hip-play. Uh -huh. Hip-play. And I yep. was overwhelmed, number one, by that experience because it was, there were stories of people that looked like me, stories that were being told on stage, but it literally was taking two what I would consider <laughs> pretty opposing art forms and putting right. them to get together in such a beautiful way. And a lot of that, this reemergence, I think, of the kind of programming, the kind of effort that is happening at the Market Center is so much, I believe, influenced by your leadership. How critical do you see that being in terms of the programming and your perspective and lens on what audiences are now experiencing at the Market Center? Yeah, and it is critical. It is very critical to have that lens from this role. I will say my predecessor, who was a white man, also was committed to this work. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's always it's always going to be from our our white allies going to be from a place of outside of sitting in the shoes like so you know having someone who's sitting you know wearing those shoes every day and wearing that skin every day is going to affect who we hire who our board leadership the artists that we have on our stages the audiences that come to our venue so you know, we we say it all the time, Tammy, I know you say it too, representation does matter. Yes. It's not the only thing, but it, it really does matter. I, I just, we just had a fellow in for this new program that I've been uh, working on with a colleague of mine from Los Angeles Music Center and a number of other CEOs in our consortium of performing arts centers. Basically, it's a, an executive leadership fellowship for people of color who are interested specifically in the C-suite roles, mm-hmm. chief CEO, COO, CFO, Chief Development or Fundraising Officer. We hosted a fellow two weeks ago, and I had told her, she's like, well, what's my experience? Like, what do you recommend for my experience in Milwaukee? Because she's here for like, you know, a handful of business days. I said, I really want you to see something that we have here in Milwaukee that almost no other city has. Ah, what's that? And that is a mayor, a county executive, and a county board chairwoman that are all black and brown and under the age of 40 Mm -hmm. who work together really well, who are extremely competent at their jobs and really care about this city. Mm. Yes, they're politicians, but they are doing great work. And they are also the firsts in their roles that have been historically white-led institutions, where they're now leading organizations that have been historically white-led, similar to what I'm doing here at the Market Center. I said, I really want you to meet them because their stories are are exactly what you're going to experience as you go into that CEO role for your Performing Arts Center. And man, I learned some things from those guys. You know, <laughs> you know, accompanying her on these visits, they're just all so wise for their years of experience and really just some great advice. I want to read something to you that was included in your news release coming to Milwaukee that I think is so important. And that is Kendra is a gifted visionary leader who is a perfect fit to lead the market center into its next 50 years of success. Number one, that gives you a benchmark. So you need to be here for another 50 years. (laughs) (laughs) She brings deep performing arts experience, an exceptional track record of success, and core values that are aligned with both the tradition of the Market Center as well as our future. I know this to be true of you, that is for sure. Can you talk Mm -hmm. about, and you've shared some of this, how your core values really align to the organization? I think the... The biggest one, which is is a core value, certainly for the Market Center, but I think for a lot of our, you know, colleague performing arts centers that serve as like an anchor institution, anchor cultural institution, I really believe that what we do is for the community. You know, I came from a programming background, so for most of my career, I've been in like a number two role, Mm -hmm. general manager, who also did book talent and curated shows, and the worst thing that you could do is is book a program because you think the artist is just really great. Mm. This, you know, that's great. That's great. There are a lot of artists that are great, but it has to be something that 
is really, that's going to resonate with the community. I've jokingly said, if I just book shows based on what I like, I don't know if any would come. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not about me and what I like, right? It's about, we are in service to the community. Mm. And that really, I really felt that here when I interviewed for this job, you know, three years ago now. The board was committed to that. Mm -hmm. And they really also were committed to ensuring that who we are reflected our community. And that has been very apparent throughout my time here through the work I'm doing, but also the work that the board does and their values and the rest of the staff. You know, the staff has been very committed. We have a great team here and they, they know what their purpose is, that Mm -hmm. our purpose is really to serve the community. And that really resonated with me in my own values. Like I said, I've been presenting arts and having artists that represent the diversity of our community on our stages you know, as long as I can, as long as I've been doing this 25 years, some places it's been easier than others. And this is one of those places because we have also a, what you had described with hip play, like people were really excited to see that program. And I heard so many times, Tammy, exactly what you described this, man, it was just so nice to see ballerinas in, you know, flesh colored tights and, and point shoes that like match the skin tone and that, you know, are dancing in ways that are not just in that Western European traditional ballet style that you can mash up genres. Black violin does this well too with classical music. And they really are great musicians, like truly good classical musicians who can also play different genres. And I wish when I was that age that I, you know, a young person, 10 year old playing the violin that I had seen something like that to go, Oh, I never even thought of messing with my violin that way (laughs) or playing that kind of music. It's like, it's like, no, I have to play exactly what's on the printed page. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, what we do is to really inspire that kind of innovation Mm -hmm. through these artists that we bring. So all of those things have really, you know, really aligned with my personal beliefs mm-hmm. of what the arts can do and what we should be doing as an organization like the Marcus Center. I so appreciate that and I know how passionate you are and how this work drives you and moves you and you are moved by the work and I love that you lifted Black Violin because that was the other piece like I'm a super fan. <laughs> this is now yeah, my third time so good. seeing them and again it is a testament of the creativity that exists within communities of color, often underserved communities that don't always have access to right. the art itself or the opportunity to engage directly with it. Let's talk a little bit about, we've had these conversations about sort of centering equity and understanding how representation matters. What do you think as we're having these conversations is really the big hurdle for the arts and culture community in Milwaukee. What do we see as really those, the critical challenge or challenges? Well, my view of this is that it's the issues or the challenges are, are not just Milwaukee related. It is a nationwide issue. And that is we have kind of, there's certain art forms like classical music or traditional ballet or even theater to a certain extent Mm -hmm. that we've set up to be in this structure, that this is what this is. 
you take lessons and you learn to play Beethoven and you learn to the positions and, you know, the feet positions in ballet. And, and yes, you have to have those fundamentals Mm -hmm. in every art form, whether it's performing or visual arts, but then we don't allow for, we don't allow for exploration. We don't allow for, and this is in the education level. Like this is everything from the K to 12 going into college. Cause I'm a music major. I was a music major. I should say I, I have an undergraduate in music and there, there's just not a lot of room for exploration that people like the black violin musicians mm-hmm. or the dancers in hip lay or the person who came up with that concept, their artistic director, mm-hmm. they just came mm-hmm. up with that because they have the courage, frankly, to bust out of, this is the way it's always been. Mm. But we don't really encourage that as society, really, when it comes to training in the performing arts. And then that leads to where we are as adults in what we attend. You know, artists who are pre-professional or looking to, to go into the field are like, well, I'm limited. If I play the violin, I can only play in a symphony orchestra, and I don't really want to do that. Or, or I want to do other things. Or... If I train as an opera singer, that's all I can sing. And opera professors in colleges are telling their students, don't sing any other art form. It's going to ruin your voice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm using that. I'm calling that out. It's not just limited to that genre. But I think we don't allow for these mashups, really. Mm -hmm. We don't allow for exploration. And, you know, how does that translate into equity? Well, a lot of us... I grew up in a house that had classical music in the house, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but my dad wasn't the classical music person. (laughs) He's listening to gospel on Sundays. You know, he's listening to West Montgomery. He's listening. So if my mom, you know, my parents, I had a great mix of the two, right? So I had a nice, you know, I had gospel and I had classical music and Mm -hmm. I had ballet and I had African dance, you know, like all of that was kind of part of my growing up. But, you know, if you grow up in a household where there is no classical music, you're going to go into this mindset of like, well, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. And then if you see that they're only one kind of person in that field, you think, well, that's definitely not for me. Right. Or I'm not meant to be in there. So we create these constructs in the performing arts. It's getting better. I would say that. But it really happens, you know, at the educational level. Before these organizations are even formed, mm-hmm. it's, you know, going to the root of how do we really make sure that everyone feels open and welcome and that there's room for exploration and there's room for, you know, how you learned how to play the violin this way. That is not wrong. That's just different. Just different. Honestly, I think that's the biggest, that is one of the biggest challenges mm-hmm. because it then trickles down into every single thing that comes after it uh, all the way to our main stage sa- stages and, and what we're programming for those stages and the types of audiences we're trying to attract because, oh, you know, is, this isn't going to appeal to that person or that's not going to appeal to this person. If I could wave a magic wand, that's where I would do it, K to 12, and then our, our pre-professional in college. And, you know, teach some fundamentals, teach some structure, but then let people play a little bit. Yeah. I, and see themselves in different different areas. I love that you have lifted that as both a consumer of a little bit, you know, of of an active musician in the past, vocal, and the daughter of a musician. 
arts culture right? and music is so much a part of who I am and my love and affinity for theater and art and music. What you are talking about is sort of abandoning the old, the structures of old and really embracing, you know, part of the equity journey is how do we embrace, how do we celebrate all that makes us unique and different, recognizing all that we have in common, but it is about in many ways letting go of, you know, what we've done in the past to allow that innovation and creativity to go. And that's exactly what's happening from my vantage point, Kendra, at the Market Center. I think that innovation right. is coming. Right, right. <laughs> I just will acknowledge that. And I think a lot of it is has to do with your vision and your passion. And so I just want to, you know, ask from your perspective, what do you see that you all are doing well? What is the Market Center doing well in this space? When it comes to equity, And I have to give you a bit of a shout out too, because I'm sure the listeners know this, but that you are a true expert and your wisdom, I have gained so much from your wisdom in this area that, you know, you are a real gem to this city as well. So I appreciate that. This is about you you today. (laughs) Well, I appreciate what you said, but you bring so much. I mean, everybody you know, here we all talk about how much you have brought to this city in this area. I think for the Marcus Center, one of the things that we have done well is we have outlined specific areas to improve. And we've we've outlined those not just in, yes, we need to improve in this area, but here is actually the benchmark and the metrics and the milestones that we want to reach when we know, you know, how do we know we're actually achieving equity, here's how we're doing it, Mm -hmm. by doing this and doing that, and at this percent and that percent. It's not to say, you know, we say in our organization, we have a commitment to a minimum of 30% of the artists that we program reflect the diversity of our community, racial and ethnic diversity of our community. Now, does that mean when we hit 30%, we're like, and we're good? Uh, No, but it also really informs our thinking as we're thinking about rather than just blanket saying, we were just going to be more diverse. Our stages are going to be more diverse, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, a good goal. It's really makes a difference when you can measure what you're trying to do and say, Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. This is, so I need to do this and I'm being held accountable to this. And the organization understands that this is the goal. And we do that with it. We have a number of those kinds of metrics throughout our programming and our our work here at the Market Center. And some of them we haven't achieved, frankly. We mm-hmm. haven't hit. Some we've exceeded our goals and some, you know, we're actually, frankly, kind of behind. And I've told the team that doesn't mean we're failing. Mm-hmm. It's just we're, unlike some of maybe our peers, we're actually calling ourselves out of we haven't hit the target and we still have more work to do. And how are we going to, what are the strategies and the, the roadmap that's going to get us to that place. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one thing that we do well. But it, it takes a little bit of courage with that, too, because it does expose, wow, I'm kind of behind on this, and we're a little bit behind on that. But we're, we're doing a little bit better on, you know, on this front. So let me ask you before switch gears on a final question. What is giving you hope? This work is challenging at times. There's 
you know, opportunities. There's we're living through a pandemic. There's a lot of things that cause a lot of stress and anxiety. What is giving Kendra hope right now? You know, I see some of my colleagues, I, you know, thinking of this fellowship program and the immense talent in that group of those, those six women in that cohort. They just happen to be women, to coincidentally all women this year in the cohort. That really makes me feel hopeful about the future of our field. I actually think that people's mindsets are changing. I know it's easy to see the news and and just be really like, wow, we're kind of going backwards. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that we're we don't have challenges because we absolutely do. But I don't know if backwards is the right word. I wouldn't say we're going backwards. Okay. I think we're just having uh, the typical bumps, you know, in the history of time. When you look over how progress has been made over decades and hundreds of years, there is 90% of the time a forward motion. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like we're in a forward motion with racial equity and inclusion work, mm-hmm. representation, and a true feeling of belonging. You know, I think about my parents, you know, who, if they wanted to marry seven years before they were, mm-hmm. they would have been illegal, mm-hmm. right? You know, I'm not, I don't want to be Pollyanna about it, Tammy, but I always have to remind myself of where we came from. Mm-hmm eight years before, you know, or whatever, seven years before I was born, six years before I was born, my parents wouldn't be legally able to marry everywhere in the country. Or my gay, queer, transgender colleagues and friends would not be able to marry and have children. I love the hopefulness. Question for you. In between all the things of running your organization, what's on your reading list? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I don't know if I want to share this with you. Because <laughs> I, so I typically read fiction and I, I actually really enjoy like thrillers and uh, Stephen King and that mm. sort of thing. <laughs> but I just, for whatever reason, it popped up. I do have a bit of an interest in true crime. Mm. Okay. And what has, po- is this weird for me to say this? The book I'm reading is. It's called The Sociopath Next Door. Okay. And it's about sociopaths, which sounds like a very strange choice. for. It's not anything particularly deep, Tammy. Mm-hmm. Well, it actually is deep. It's really it interesting. It kind of sounds deep to it's me. It's not just about sociopaths. <laughs> it is deep. It's about what, as humans, makes us have a conscience. Mm. And the, the, the psychology and the science behind that And the research that's been done around why people have a conscience and why 4% of our society does not. Well, I want to appreciate you, your time, for your dedication, for your passion. Thank you for saying yes to Milwaukee, saying yes to the Market Center. I am a fan of yours and all of your work and just really appreciate your time today. Again, let's give it up for Kendra Ingram, President and CEO of the Market <laughs> Center for the Performing Arts. Thank you. Many thanks. Thank you for joining us on the Edge of Equity. Please join our email list at info at athenacommunicationsllc.com so you don't miss a single episode. 
The link is also in the show notes. You can also support the show by sharing it on social media with your personal and professional networks, suggesting guests and topics for us to spotlight, and engaging in crucial conversations about systems change.